Hey, welcome to the podcast, Less Than Silent Hills. I'm one of your hosts, Brock Wilbur. And I'm your other host, Rachel Jane Andelman. Uh, this is the dumb thing that we're doing where we're deciding to work through the entire history of the Silent Hill games, which we find incredibly compelling and incredibly uh, goddamn weird, and a lot of people either can't or won't play through them, so we're doing that for you on a monthly basis, uh, as casually as one can work their way through this, and uh, today we're talking about Silent Hill 2, which is probably the single best and most interesting thing in the entire series, which is a weird thing to hit on episode 2 of a podcast Some that people refer to it as to finish. <laughs> Some people refer to, I believe they refer to Silent Hill 2 as the good one. Um, if they... Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, I mean, we are going to have a lot of episodes after this, but just know that this is the one where we played, uh, I believe, sort of an unequivocally, uh, a critically lauded, everyone can agree on this one, this is the good one. No one... I've, I've never one, met anyone who One of the best it. games of all time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, 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 I feel like we're going to have multiple episodes of this show where we come back with guests and reevaluate this with people that are much smarter at us at this than us. So maybe this is just the one to lay the groundwork for what it is. But also, we kind of have to do it at this point because almost every game that comes after this you have to talk about it using language that compares it to Silent Hill 2. Like, this is the language... Right of the series because it's certainly not Silent Hill 1. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, well, obviously, compared to Silent Hill 2, uh, this is uh, not as compelling as Silent Hill 2, but uh, in its own right, it's fine. Uh, language like that, Brock? And this is, yeah, yeah, that's the language like that. Um, but also, like, <laughs> everything, you know, narratively borrows from this in a way, but also, like, yeah, it's, it is, the, the standard here, which is weird because it's it's become such an old game at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it is shocking that even the own, its own series doesn't borrow the best parts from it. I don't know. It's it's mm. it's odd. And it's it, it's this magical point in games where the the technology was just good enough to pull off what they wanted to do. And a bunch of really weird ideas got into the room. And, and what comes out of it is something that is timeless in a way that's fun and interesting and it's just always a lot to break down in a way that uh silent hill one if you've listened to our first episode was more of a, a descent into uh blandness instead of madness uh, <laughs> i was like well did this all really start here it, it's fine it's fine for what it was i'm sure uh yeah. so rachel tell us the story of silent hill 2 uh, great well uh brock the story of silent hill 2 begins like this uh, you are James Sunderland, and you are in a bathroom, uh, and you, uh, you draw your hand across your face in a very iconic way, uh, and you're soon to learn that the reason you're in that bathroom uh, by that road is because you received a letter from your wife, your wife Mary. She was sick, and you believe she died three years prior to this moment in the game. Uh, but you have received a letter from her saying that she is waiting for you, uh, James Sunderland, in your special place in Silent Hill. Now, what are you to make of that when your dead wife sends you a letter? Well, in James Sunderland's case, uh, which becomes your case, uh, you go to see if she's there. <laughs> Would you say that's a... It, it is, that is... That is an excellent thing. And, and you're also pointing out one of the things, like, I can't think of any other games in the history of video games except maybe indigo prophecy where it starts with just like a dude in the bathroom 
Uh, and this one's extra weird because it's just like like every every uh, inch of of every part of this place that you're in is just covered in decay. And and from the opening like seconds, you're just like, what's this guy doing even in this bathroom? Like the it's covered in either shit or death or uh, memories or something. He should just get out of the bathroom. The the in every second of this game is just your brain screaming. Just don't be here. Go literally anywhere else. <laughs> It's like, uh, do you hate yourself, James Sunderland? Because it seems like you do, because look at the places you're choosing to be. Uh, and that is the twist mm. uh, that he very much does. <laughs> uh, so what happens after the bathroom is that you go back out to your car uh, and and you grab a map and you're in this resort town where uh, you and your now dead wife used to go hang out there. It was your special place. And you think that she's there. The access to the town is shut down except for this one road. And so you endure this, like, it, it always feels like 30 minutes, but I, I'm sure it's closer to five or six. Of I will say, I will say when I was playing it, I played it for two hours in preparation for this podcast. Um, and it, I believe it actually took me a half an hour because I walked so slow. I was so scared, Brock. I, I walked as slowly um, I did this thing where I would like put one foot in front of the other. I would stop. I would wait. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I'm not being Believe attacked. Me, that's, that's how I play it too, still now. <laughs> and I know that it, there's, there's a sequence which is just you walking down this path through these sort of uh, woods environments and semi industrial environments as you try to get to the town. And ostensibly, this is the fucking road to town. But it is not a road that anything should be on. But every once in a while, that there there are vehicles. But it's it's just like dirt. It's it's a weird thing in the pavement, like a, a farm. Anyway, th this sequence of the game is is the thing that I remember most from my f play, first playthrough, like in college when I was in a room with friends and we went from being like very frat bro to all of a sudden just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Uh, this is so <laughs> weird. Uh, and what it is is that you're walking through the woods and uh, there's there's fog everywhere around you, which we've established that that's sort of what this game is. Uh, this whole series, like ju you just can't see stuff. There's just always this fog and you can't get through it. And that makes it real easy for like monsters to sneak up, like right in front of you and you can't see them until they're there. Uh, and it's so, so scary and it's fog. so effective. It's, it's so effective, Brock. It's so stupid. I'm just playing it. It's like, and I'm stupid how scared I am. The sequence. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and the sounds around you in the sequence are, are, are the sounds of like, not even just like uh, traditional horror tropes of like twigs breaking, but of also like breathing. Uh, and, and it is it, more than a decade later. It's still one of the most effective sequences in games because there are no monsters in this part of the game. There's nothing creeping up on you. Uh, but it, it is that sort of thing that like uh, when people talk about in screenwriting classes that like the descent or 28 days later are perfect horror films, because even if there was no monster there, the location is actually terrifying and dangerous to the character all by itself. This is what establishes that, like, just being alone in this space would drive you insane. You're you're already scared and nothing has to happen, uh, which is so otherworldly cool. <laughs> and also, like, the, the sounds, like, all you're doing is, like, walking through this fog and you're just, like, hearing these very bizarre sounds on the soundtrack, like, weird clanks or weird, like echoes and you're just like what the fuck is causing that 
I I can't tell and, you. And, and and sometimes your character like runs and the sound of him catching his breath is like this. <laughs> and you're just like, why why is why is that even the sound why is that the sound that's coming out of me that sounds like a hellish dog? <laughs> uh, no, that's just my guy. He just he, running makes him uh, it's a little asthmatic. Uh so we get into town and what happens there, Rachel? Uh, well, you get into town and, um, uh, well, you uh, notice, uh, uh, I believe this is the next important part, uh, that there is some blood uh, on uh, the road. Uh, just ro- The blood is like pointing sort of down the road and you're like, uh, if you don't follow it, James is like, oh, I should figure out what happened and I go in that direction. Uh, so it actually won't let you, <laughs> it won't let you uh, not follow it. Uh, and then you follow the blood and you end up, uh, Brock, you end up in an underpass. I just want to acknowledge real fast that I, I saw you tweet about this moment. And we we talk a little bit outside of this show. Not very much, but we enjoy each other's Twitter feeds. And it was just a random night. And I didn't know when you were playing the game, but you just had the tweet that was like, I love when uh, there's just a whole bunch of blood in the street. And your character's like, hell yeah, I want to go check that out. And I was just like <laughs> laughing on my couch. I'm like, I know exactly where Rachel is and what Rachel is doing and and she and she's right that is very dumb it is just a very dumb way in like you can even sort of see the monster ahead of you wandering into the mist and like he doesn't even focus on the monster thing he's just like check out this blood that's basically forming a a Bugs Bunny cartoonish arrow uh, that I as the wily coyote should just follow and see where it leads uh, and then you and then you walk into um, you know a painted tunnel, uh, <laughs> and then you die and you have to start over. Um, and you're like, damn it, this is so easy to <laughs> do. That would be an incredible fake ending to this game. <laughs> um, uh, the, I mean, the the yeah. Acme ending, as, as the Silent Hill <laughs> games are famous for. Uh, you uh, team Silent. I know you no longer exist. I think, uh, but you should still hire me. Right. Re- Rachel makes a good point. The The team behind the game is Team Silent. Uh, so they are better at stories than they are at names. But also that's definitely in translation. So who knows what the actual name mm. uh, is. <laughs> uh, but so, uh, you, uh, Brock, uh, what happens next is you are in an underpass. Uh, yeah, um, you, you, in, instead of a painted tunnel, you wind up in an actual tunnel. And uh, what, what you discover is, uh, as is as is at least the staple of the series to this point, uh, one of the only things that really carries over from the first game, you find a radio, and the radio uh, does loud hissing noises whenever monsters are near, which, again, uh, adds to the goddamn nightmare scenario of this game. And different monsters create different static, uh, which took me way too long to figure out. I was like, oh, there is way louder noises for the way bigger uh, things in the night. Uh, But it also means that sometimes you're running around and you don't even see something, and maybe you're even running past it. Uh, but mm. you know it's there. You don't have to see anything here <laughs> to be afraid of it. Like Event Horizon, you don't need eyes uh, where we're going. Uh, so you're in this tunnel, you find that, and you find like a, a crowbar, and you also find a giant, fleshy, multi-limbed thing that comes at you, and you... You do some killing. You just uh, you just mash the hell out of it real fast, uh, and then we're back into the the thing that is also a staple of the series that you kill these monsters, 
Uh, but they are not dead. Then they just sort of like scuttle around on the ground uh. weird insects, and you have to stomp them to death, which sometimes involves chasing a monster that you've already mostly killed. Oh my gosh. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it is such a, it is such an interesting combination of, of, of visual design of sound and of that sort of unnerving thing. Like the thing that, uh, that scientists say that like fucks with us about spiders uh, is that sort of idea that they do not have a flu- fluid motion. They have this sort of stop jerky motion, and, and that's this thing. Uh, everything in this game uh, moves in a way that nothing should move, uh, and it gets under your skin so fast. <laughs> uh, and I won't lie, like, the first time one of those guys were scuttling by me, like, I let out a real scream, not like a funny scream. I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is it doing to me? Why? Why is it moving also, so I'm, fast? I'm so proud of you because you you're you're a, a, a fan of watching Let's Plays. You you took the time and you in, in asked friends to help you to sit down and actually put in a couple hours of like hands on time with this. What yeah. was your takeaway from that experience? How much different is it than just watching uh, watching this sort of stuff on YouTube? Uh, well, it's so um, it's like upsetting. It's like upsetting that something so scary could exist in nature, I would say. Uh, I'm like, this, I don't know, this should be, because uh, I am so scared. And also, I realize um, I'm probably a subject uh, of fun, uh, because I did have someone, uh, my ex-boyfriend was sitting next to me during this uh, playthrough, uh, my two-hour playthrough, and he was uh, making fun of me uh, throughout the uh, so uh, perhaps uh, people in the internet uh, recognize this classic dynamic of someone who is uh, quote unquote a scaredy cat and the other person is uh, just uh, pointing out uh, their essential nature uh, <laughs> at pretty much every moment. Like, uh, uh, isn't it funny how she's screaming because there's a, a scuttling half man just starting across uh, and it's as if she's in trouble and doesn't she understand the difference? And the truth is that I do not, Brock. I think I am in real danger playing this game. <laughs> it's so ridiculous how she has a natural human reaction to the stimuli she's experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> what a dummy! What a also, game. what a weird game to play with an ex. Uh, all, <laughs> all context included. I, I have I have so much respect for everything you. I appreciate the work that you did for this podcast. Oh, thank I, you, Brock. I, I, you. That's, uh, I did so, so much work. I did them. so much work. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the so way to the apartment. <laughs> you've killed the monster. You've got a weapon, and now you're in this big old foggy town, uh, and you have. A map, and thank God the map uh, marks things off because as you start to explore the town, the roads have fucking dropped off the face of the earth, and in some places there's giant fences that have been erected, <laughs> and and like a wall that says there used to be a hole here, now there's not, and other stuff that's vaguely like taunting in a way that a, a, a town that's come to life it it bridges this very. Uh, Stephen King Langoliers thing with mm. with also Stephen King's The Mist and and like this very Twin Peaks thing and and definitely the town is taken so clearly from Twin Peaks and and you know this series leans into Twin Peaks the further it goes but uh, mm. the 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 design of the city is there and there's also just so many like stupid uh, shops that like I I think this is one of the first times I remember in a game like 
running down the street and every store had a different sign. It wasn't just like a repeat. So it was like, mm. here's the Silent Hill Butcher's Market. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's a little on the nose. And then like, here's the hardware store. And like everything, everything has a place. So in a, it, it establishes that this is a li- living, breathing town with no one here, uh, except for these couple of people that you keep running into who don't seem to give a shit that they're the only people here. Uh, or they at least like half try to warn you. And this is a good point to to bring in that uh, this game has one of the most bizarre like localizations of all time because the translation into English is is good. But the voice acting on it, uh, which was directed uh, by one of the women who is one of the lead voice actors in the game, uh, sounds like somebody who had never experienced the English language before, <laughs> even though she is a, a native English speaker. Uh, and and it, 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 it doesn't... When they re-released this game a couple of years ago in like this HD remake, which is a disaster and that's its own separate episode, uh, yeah. they did re-record a lot of the, the voices. And it actually makes the game less fun and interesting because there is sort of this disconnect about how everyone talks and takes breaks and pauses in what they're doing that that makes it so David Lynchian and, and bizarre that like you kind of hang on every word. Cause you're like, the fuck is happening? <laughs> well, and, and like each person is different. Like one character will just do loud rants while eating cheese pizza. And then another guy is just screaming. Uh, and then there's just a, a little girl who, who's actively taunting you and playing hopscotch. And you're like, the, how does how do any of these people share a world and and maybe they don't uh, but it is it is intriguing it's not good but it's compelling is that is that a fair assessment of what that voice acting was for you I feel like you know it's it's funny because when I got to a cutscene um like and I was like again in this apartment with like my two friends and then my ex-boyfriend who's also my friend um and then everyone started immediately talking about like how bad the voice acting is uh, and I feel, I, I know that I'm not like a majority opinion sharer, but I just like think it's good. Not just like it's compelling. I just like, I like, I like the voice acting and it, and it wouldn't even occur to me to make fun of it. Um, because I just, I just think it fits. Uh, like, and I'm like, oh, it's intuitively appropriate for what's happening and who these characters are. It's like, oh, um, I, I James like that. Is that like, makes a lot of sense to me. Say that again. Oh, I I said I like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, I like. I love James's voice acting. I just like thinks it, thinks it's perfect. I think it's perfect for him. Uh, like I'm um, like, oh, he's deeply traumatized. He's deeply depressed. Like, and, and yeah, it makes sense. Like, and they all make sense to me. Like, because uh, they're all and, and and all of his stuff trails off as if he's half remembering something, but in a way that, like, even though he's talking to like what we know to basically be like ghosts of half remembered nightmares, uh, I still uh, in this playthrough is like they must be so much more creeped out by him because they're like, <laughs> hey, where are you going? And he just looks into the distance and goes somewhere <laughs> looking for some. One, I guess, and then just wanders <laughs> off into the fog. And they must be like, he's actually the real creep ass. I know this yeah. is a town full of monsters all of a sudden, but like, mm-hmm. what's that guy's bag? <laughs> <laughs> I actually sound exactly like James when, like, before I've had like coffee or caffeine, like, 
Um, I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> he clearly is just, he just got up. He just woke up. He's sad. He's like having a sad morning. Like, I'm like, I get it. I've been there. <laughs> okay, so it, what follows here? And I made fun of Silent Hill 1 because the, the series of locations that you have to investigate are all the, the standard horror tropes. It's like, here's a sewer, here's a haunted mall, here's an amusement park. Uh, and and this game gets into a series of, of places that you have to check out. But they're, again, just sort of the town. So, like, the first one you really get embroiled in is, uh, is this uh, apartment building where you have to check sort of room by room and go through these things. And this is when you run into the problem that uh, Silent Hill 1 really didn't have the technology to pull off, which is that you can suddenly be in these very tight quarters where mm. you can't see anything, but you hear from the static that something is right there with you about mm. to attack you. Uh, and often the lighting is poor and you can't control the camera. Uh, and so you just start sort of like swinging wildly. Uh, <laughs> or what's worse is you open up and you find a room with nothing in it and you're like, this is maybe worse. Like what's going <laughs> on here? Uh, you take the story from here. Uh, cool. So I will say that I had to stop playing when I got to the apartments. Um, and I assume the apartments, uh, are, are the apartments where we first see uh, pyramid head. Yes, yes. That is, that is where we meet uh, pyramid head. So uh, incredibly, I think I managed to stop playing right before that happened. Um, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oops, I guess I'm not going to see him today. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. <Whoopsies. laughs> uh, but yeah, so you can you can take it. Uh, you can take it away because um, I did not get there. Uh, so uh, James keeps writing into this woman, Maria and Maria uh, in in another giant uh, Twin Peaks borrow uh, looks just like his dead wife, uh, mm. but is like slutty. Uh, it's so weird. <laughs> like they they they've changed like the color of her eyes and they put her in like like a half shirt and this short skirt. And you're just like, this is th and she's always just like doing this weird flirty thing. And you're like, hello, weird male gaze personified. Uh, but also it's undercut by just the goddamn darkness of it. So you're like. <laughs> This is, I, I get it. This is like weird. It's 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 sexual frustration made manifest more than it is like this weird misogyny. I mean, it's still uncomfortable, I guess, but at least, it, I mean, it is uncomfortable. Uh, so uh, Maria and James start running around. Uh, and, uh, and in this apartment building, uh, they run into this monster, which at some point, James sees this monster. He ducks into a closet and watches it. And uh, there are these monsters running around that are basically uh, haunted mannequins that are. Mm. Uh, if if you think of if you think of Sally from the Nightmare Before Christmas and how she can stitch stuff together, if somebody <laughs> took Sally and removed the head and just put like five legs on it, uh, but then also like exposed breasts. And then it ran around like a spider uh, making weird clicking noises. You know what? Maybe Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas isn't the best example. But that's sort of what's going on. Uh, and so you enter this room and this monster comes out of nowhere. And he is uh, presumably sexually or at least very violently brutalizing two of them. Uh, and he has 
a gigantic phallic sword twice his size, and he's like a seven-foot being uh, with a giant red helmet uh, that covers his face, uh, and it's very clear that it's it's some form of punishment and is painful, like there is something terrifying about it. And it, it, the pyramid head uh, enters here and becomes what I think we all consider like the ultimate like video game boss mm. or, or baddie because he spends a lot of time like hanging out behind windows or sort of being vaguely around uh, and threatening in a way that you're <laughs> just like, I know he's always watching uh, somehow, <laughs> even though he doesn't have eyes uh, and who knows what he's going to do to me or what his motivations are. Cause a lot of this is about reading the subtext of something. And for a long time, trying to figure out the subtext of uh, the hate fuck machine uh, is really difficult uh, <laughs> to pin down. Uh, so uh, from here, you sort of get out of the apartment building and you're back into the rest of the city. Uh, and there's, there is somewhat of this management of, of the, of these other survivors. There's the little girl mm-hmm. uh, and there's, uh, this guy named Eddie, who's just this big, dumb frat guy idiot. And like, uh. no one seems to care about anything that's happening uh, around here. Uh, so you're just sort of on this journey to figure your shit out as you go. And as you go, there's a lot of uh, what gets into this game that becomes a hallmark of the series moving forward is a lot more puzzles that don't make any sense. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I think up until this point in video games, there's a lot of, uh, you know, red key opens, red door. And here, uh, like a monster will die and offer you two eggs. And then you have to figure out that a haunted painting in the other room needs to be rotated 720 degrees. And then you move <laughs> a clock face and then you uh, destroy the egg using the clock face and you're like what does any of this mean like (laughs) how would anybody even get here uh which is made even weirder by the fact that you can play the game and you can set the difficulty for for your your fighting harder or or lesser but you can also set the difficulty of the puzzles and i've never played around with it enough to actually figure out if that how much that changes something because i think i've always played it on, on one of the lesser settings i was like how could this be any more convoluted it doesn't make sense to me do you just take away a lever or something do you make it like i i don't understand do you just throw a rubik's cube in there it seems odd yeah when i play was i was playing my friends were like do not change the puzzle settings to easier like you need to experience them at the normal level of difficulty uh or you're gonna miss you're gonna miss some writing rachel you're gonna miss some good writing Oh boy, that is not the case. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are effing with me. I can feel it. <laughs> the uh, effing with me vibes are in are thick in this room, uh, but I will. Uh, uh, you're letting me play this, so I will go along with you. Uh, and so, what kind of happens from here is you you get into weird parts of the town. You get into these people's lives, and and nothing makes much sense, but. The uh, the woman that looks just like your dead wife uh, keeps getting killed. Mm. Uh, Pyramid Head <laughs> just keeps murdering her so many different times in so many different ways. And at one point, uh, she pops up and two Pyramid Heads pop out and murder her. Uh, and uh, and then they, uh, at a predetermined point, 
uh, in the in the battle that you have with them, they just uh, pierce themselves with giant spears and die. Not because you've attacked them. They just like uh, they were a metaphor for torture uh, and 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 self torture and sexual frustration. And now that like your sexual fantasy object is truly, truly dead. They don't need to exist anymore. It's a fucking nightmare. Uh, <laughs> but but it, when you're first playing the game before you've, you know, read up on this stuff and the metaphors, it's, it's just one of those moments in gamings that, uh, that I was just like, wait, what? They just, the, the big boss of this game just impaled himself, two of them out of nowhere. And that's just the end of it uh, for that part of the game. And you're like, Okay, like, so nothing means anything, and, and it is weird uh, to, like, sort of turn the the male action game hero thing on its head because so many of the big fights and things in this game, uh, he is completely impotent. Like, there's nothing that he can do except just try to survive for a certain amount of time. Like, his his actions don't matter, and that's such a weird thing for a video, for a video game to try and tell you. Yeah, because you can't, like... Like, the journeys, like, the arcs of the other, except for, like, maybe Laura, like, you can't really affect um, Angela's story, you can't really affect Eddie's story, like, it, like they're kind of, they're kind of doomed, right? Right. And, and let us uh, take a moment here, I, I hadn't played this in a while. Angela, who is one of these side characters, uh, I remembered being a very complicated and interesting character when I played it years ago. Uh, when I replayed it this time, she is just a woman that they threw every fucking women or crazy trope onto at the exact same time. She's suicidal. She's depressed. She's bipolar. She's uh, she's just got all this stuff that's just like, oh, four of those would have made a character, but 18 of them <laughs> feels excessive. And it's only on this woman who is tangential to the story. It just feels wildly out of control with how like clearly misogynist that choice was i was like mm. oh this is this has not aged well this part weirdly in the game of things that <laughs> are psychosexual trauma uh this one uh feels just uh it didn't have a place <laughs> yeah i like to think that angela was originally like 12 different characters and then at some point they just had them all on the chalkboard or the, the whiteboard and they're like wait a second guys uh, this game will be 3,000 hours. And then one guy just stands up and it's like, I have a solution. What if it's all the same <laughs> chick? Uh, and so... <laughs> in that sense, he's really a hero. Uh, he really um, made the gameplay a lot more reasonable. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, do you want to cover how the game sort of ends here? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, the ending, uh, there are four endings, I believe. Uh, oh, uh, like the what What leads to it? Like the big story oh, twist stuff? The big twist. I love the big twist. The big twist is one of my favorite <laughs> big twists. Uh, and I'm a big, big twist fan. Um, so uh, you go to, uh, I think it's Lakeview Hotel. Um, and, uh, you go into the room and you go into the room that, uh, James and Mary had stayed in when they went to their sort of, um, it was like the life altering, uh, vacation. Uh, if any vacation has uh, more altered lives than these two, I don't know, uh, what that vacation is, but these two go to, uh, uh James comes to the, the hotel room and he finds the tape 
and uh, it's the tape that they left there. Uh, and he puts the tape into the TV uh, that's in the room, uh, and the tape begins to play, uh, and it begins to play, and you're realizing, oh, wow, you're definitely watching footage of James actually uh, suffocating his dead, his wife, and, uh, and, and killing her uh, while she's uh, in, in bed. And, and then you're watching James watch that, and you're watching James remember exactly what he did, uh, that his wife is definitely dead, and that he killed her. And then you get to watch him uh, sit in a chair uh, and put his head in his hands and feel uh, real bad about it. It is... Uh, I, I've come to think of this as like this uh, the start of this era of games, uh, and it, I think it really does start here, uh, where the twist is at the end, hey, you uh, white guy, uh, that thought you were the protagonist, you're actually the bad guy in this thing. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like that really affected a whole generation of white guys who had never been told that they were responsible for anything. And maybe mm. that that's why this became such a big trope and things like this and Bioshock and stuff for so long was like, oh, you just uh, you didn't see that coming. But I mean, it's also true of like games as a whole, like no one plays as a protagonist for multiple hours in a thing to find out at the end that, you know, Mario's the stalker chasing peach castle to castle. Like, uh, <laughs> and this one, and this one is also complicated in a way that like his wife was terminally ill. And based on where you read about like a summary of this, like either he's murdered her or he's euthanized her or whatever it may be. And, and that actually plays into the fact that this game has, a bunch of different endings where it, it ranges from him realizing all this and committing suicide to uh, leaving town and having like forgiven himself or have or being forgiven by her, her ghost uh, or he, him even leaving town with the woman who uh, Maria, who uh, somehow didn't die the third time here. Uh, and then what you there's a shot of her like coughing, which suggests that, Oh, he's fallen in love with another woman that will wind up being terminally ill and he will kill her as well. Mm. Uh, but like, uh, as, as often happens in the Silent Hill games, the, the conditions for this are completely hidden. So, uh, one of the systems for it is that, uh, you have to like use weird objects throughout the game, or maybe like you're never supposed to read the letter that brought you here in the first place via this stuff. Like it's, it's all hidden systems that determine this outcome. And it's, it's really weird to figure out how to how to make them work. There's also one uh, where a uh, a comically uh, ridiculous dog uh, is controlling a bunch of uh, levers, uh, and he makes a UFO come to town. Uh, so the the dog ending is uh, is pretty good. Oh, the dog and the UFO are two separate ones. Sorry, I didn't mean to blend the two. They're equally oh, ridiculous. Yeah. So, which is it, I, the fact that there's always a joke ending in Silent Hill games is is so wildly outside of the tone of of every second of what this is. <laughs> I, I appreciate that they do it. So what did you think about this? What did you think about playing this? What do you think about about the the story? Yeah. 
I mean, I like, I, I mean, I think it's a, I, I, I love Silent Hill 2, the story. And I think that, um, uh, I have like a lot of more patience for the stuff regarding the characters, regarding like Angela and stuff, uh, than, than many people have. I just think, um, I like, I, I dig it. Uh, and I like how, um, uh, all these characters like kind of are sort of have all these kind of essential tensions uh, where, um, you know, Angela is like a, uh, fighting between like her survivor. Is she a survivor? Or is she a victim? And then Eddie is like, is he like a clown or is he like a villain? Uh, is like, is, is Laura like a good girl, quote unquote, a good girl? Or is she just like a, like a, a brat? Uh, and so you, uh, I feel like every interaction with all these people is just like this, even though it's just like two, two randos uh, who meet each other, who haven't had a previous relationship, they're meeting in like murder, murder fog town. Uh, all the interactions I feel are like immediately extremely interesting and compelling. Uh, you know, I love the stuff with Eddie and like how uh, James like, can't stop himself from calling him nuts like and can't stop himself from like alienating Angela and like can't stop himself from um you know hurting Laura's feelings and and, and making her like uh kind of lash out at him like there's just like something that's so poignant about like his inability to like uh to meaningfully connect with any of these other like r randos who are you know, entering the town, uh, and then, like, the stuff about his wife and, and his relationship to her, uh, I just think it's really well done, like, uh, it answers, it asks a really good question, it's like, can you, like, can you feel bad enough about something that you've done, uh, that it renders it okay, like, it renders, like, uh, the rest of your life, uh, being bearable, like, like, how, like, he feels so guilty, uh, and like mad with guilt, uh, and like the, the video game is like, can he move on? Uh, and there's not a canonical answer, and I think that's really beautiful. Because uh, I'm like, man, yeah, he really. I think that, that was an incredible breakdown of how he, uh, even in this place that is mostly being crafted out of the darkness and guilt in him, still can't <laughs> not be the guy he was like he's still so <laughs> off-putting to all these characters and and can't just shut up or, or actually be helpful uh I, i've never thought through that lens of of course and that mm -hmm. makes perfect sense uh it is it is such a weird meditation yeah and and it feels especially poignant in uh 2018 i suppose to discuss uh guilt and and how much guilt is enough guilt and uh, boy, he has enough guilt to uh, manifest hundreds of monsters that fill a town that that feels like enough guilt. That feels like maybe you should should be forgiven at that point. Once you've completed the obstacle, uh, the hell obstacle course of your own creation. Uh, and that that gets into some of these other monsters. We talked about Pyramid Head, who is this uh, gigantic uh, phallic representation of sexual frustration, but there's also a number of other characters in the game that have uh, that are your sort of enemies that have these very complicated uh, imagery, metaphor things. Like there are a bunch of nurses that run around uh, twitching uh, and and trying to destroy you, uh, 
And they come from these anxieties surrounding his wife's terminal illness, mm. but also like his sexual like frustration that built from like, you know, having this oh, I got I'm stuck to this woman that's dying and I can't just move on with my life. But there's also <laughs> a g- giant uh, flesh uh, stretched across uh, like bed frames that dangle from the ceilings and and the weapon that they have against you is that they have these giant lips uh, that are very <laughs> vaginal and they try to suck you up into them with tentacles. It is it is very much about like a man's fear of a woman's power, but mm-hmm. also his desire to control that. Uh, and and also just how much trauma, I guess, and try to look at it a different way that this whole experience has inflicted upon him, like equally upon her, because so much of this is is medical and from that. But it is also about like how much he's been through, too, and, mm. and the things that he's built up in his stupid fucking brain and the the emotional the emotional sort of puzzles that he can't solve, uh, which are, are more complicated than any of the puzzles in the game. Were there any of the, the creatures or things that you found just like totally unnerving? <laughs> um, I mean, I just think that like the one like the the mo- like Angela's monster with like the writhing bed monster. I'm just like, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus. Uh, that's like the one that makes me go like, Jesus, they really, they really went there. They really went for it. Uh, you guys, you guys did it. Uh- <laughs> it. It is a lot of stuff that for the time I was just like, I, I'm in film school. I'm pretty sure I see what the metaphor here is. Uh, and it is insane to me that somebody let that be in a video game. Like you're, you're, you're fighting actual dicks and vaginas across a, a haunted spook city, uh, while you try to forgive yourself for murdering your wife. It's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot in a way that I think only a, a Japanese game developer could get away with. And then, uh, just told Americans like, ah, oh, no, that's, that's not it. That's something else. <laughs> You're just what you what you're seeing makes you the pervert. You see, yeah, uh, you're. It's like that's a real like funny games way. It's like you you wa- you decided to watch this violent movie. It's 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 on you, you guys. So it is to to wrap it up. It is sort of it is it is fascinating because uh, this is also the first time in games that I can remember playing a game that in no way was a sequel to the first game. Like it's Silent Hill two, but it's. It is ostensibly the same place, even though it is a very different place. It has none of the same characters this time around. There's, you know, the cult stuff doesn't matter. And it's about this guy. And this is sort of what gets into that thing of like, he creates the town through his, through his fucked up shit that he brings there. And some of the creatures here are also, you know, the product of, of some of the other characters and their baggage, which is fascinating too. Like it isn't Mm -hmm. just all about the guy. It's about what everyone's bringing to the table. Uh, And it, it sets this this impossible standard, maybe, which is why it it's so interesting. Like they just threw everything out the window, and they're like, "No, no, now this thing, now this shit is real." And it's sort of like um, it, it's an it's it's what TV does with anthology series now. Like if if American mm-hmm. Horror Story did this, it would make sense. But for a video game to be like, "No, no, no, everything from before is just out the window." And every time now we're just going to tell different individual stories. It's so fascinating and such a daring thing to have done. And it pays off in such dividends here because uh, so much of of the fright and the intrigue here (laughs) is the mystery of what the fuck is happening to me and why. Uh, Where if, 
and and it actually becomes a problem that uh, Pyramid Head becomes this this very well known character, and so people just start putting him in other games. And when you start seeing him in other places, you're like, no, 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 this doesn't have anything to do with that guy. What's this guy doing back here? Like that's not that's not his thing, and it's definitely not the same sort of metaphor for sexual frustration that he was in the <laughs> the other thing. You're just uh, you're just putting this thing in here for the fans, and that that starts to break break it a yeah. little bit because you're like, no, 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 each yeah. person should have their own thing. Uh, and yeah, like I feel you, like you, 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 I feel like yeah. Pyramid Head should either be in a in an in a video game with James Sunderland, or he needs to be in like um, you know like Ratchet and Clank. You're like. <laughs> like just something very like you're like oh isn't it funny how unrelated he is to the rest of the story not like oh he's not really related to the story like that kind of like in between like you know put him in put, put him in paper mario that's like where I, that's that's when i think <laughs> the disconnect becomes most effective paper mache head i would absolutely yes. play that that sounds delightful it anyway that's my buzzer uh, oh, no. for, for being done with the episode uh, thank you guys so much for listening I'm Brock Wilbur I'm at Brock Wilbur on, on Twitter and other places uh, Rachel where can people find you you can find me uh, at Raj Andelman R-A-J-A-N-D-L-M-A-N and also on various stages in the Boston area uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this please rate review uh, let people know about what we're doing and so they come back next month I'm really excited I thought we were going to get this in just before Halloween because I don't know how to count months uh, and I'm just really excited that we're going to have uh, Silent Hill 3 out before that happens because Ooh. I've never even so much as watched a let's play of that I oh. am uh, I am so scared to do it uh, so I'm just really <laughs> excited uh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much for the, the work that you put into our dumb thing and it's so fucking weird that you played this with an X, but that's cool. Woo! Thank you, Brock, for all the work <laughs> you've done. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I will see you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.